All right. So, like I said, we're going to get in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 17. So we've already covered uh, the first 16 verses. And if you'll remember, uh, Paul is really like a spiritual father to this church. Uh, he loves them. Uh, he encourages them. He also disciplines them. Uh, that's what a loving father will do. Uh, yes, they are a challenged church. We've you know, already through the first seven chapters, we've seen that they are challenged. Uh, they are challenged both inside and outside the walls of the church. But but Paul encourages them to be who God created them to be, uh, both as individuals and as a corporate body. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, those first 16 verses, Paul speaks to these believers about biblical marriage. What is biblical marriage? What does biblical marriage look like? But he also talks to them uh, about celibacy. He talks to them about living single and singleness. Uh, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to continue uh, that conversation with them throughout chapter 7. And here's a truth that I want you to understand. It's right there on the top of your handout. Whether we live in marriage or whether we live in singleness, we should take both choices seriously and we should glorify God either way. Okay, so um, it's not to say that one is better because he or she is married or one is better because he or she is single. They both are gifts from God. Uh, Paul has already said that some calls, uh, that God calls some to be married and some to be single and they are equally blessed. And so uh, whether we live single or whether we live married, it's, it's something that we should take serious and it's it's something that we should use to glorify God. So glorify God in your marriage as you live and as you walk. But glorify God if you're single as well as you live and as you walk. And I really believe that's what Paul's message is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So we're going to go ahead and continue this conversation beginning in verse 17. So if you got your Bibles, open them up. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, go ahead and flip to the middle of the passage verse 17, and we're going to read through 24. This is the first passage uh, we're going to cover, 17 through 24. Paul says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. So he's not talking to Corinth one way, and another church another way. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm being equal here. I'm talking to all churches in the same way. Uh, verse 18, he says, was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's command is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was asleep when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So, so Paul, he brings up a couple of topics and he kind of blends it in with the topic of marriage and singleness. He talks about circumcision, uh, he talks about slavery, and he's really 
bringing it together as he talks about marriage and he talks about singleness. Now, let's make one point very clear. Paul was not suggesting that believers should never change their status. That's not what he was saying, okay? He was actually encouraging believers to know their calling and embrace it. So he wasn't calling them to change from this, change to that. He was just saying, hey, know who God called you to be, know where God called you, and embrace that calling. Uh, If they were called to singleness, they should stay single and be who God called them to be. Uh, If they were called to marriage, then they should embrace marriage and be who God called them to be. Um, The calling was not just a salvation call. This was a call to serve God where you are and with what you have. So when he talked about circumcision, circumcision in some ways was looked at as a status. So circumcision was a status. And Paul insisted that no one should become prideful in that status, but rather obedient. So it wasn't about fulfilling the call of men, Rather, it was the call of God that you should fulfill. So again, let's talk about that for a moment. There were some Jews who were saying Gentiles, the only way they could serve God was to do what? Be circumcised. And Paul has already clearly said, that's not true. You don't have to do that. But there were some who were Gentiles, right, who were blasting circumcision. And what Paul was saying was that On the outside, circumcision is nothing, just like uncircumcision is nothing. It's the heart that matters. Were you obedient to the call of God in your life? If God called you to circumcision, then be obedient. If God called you to uncircumcision, then be obedient. And so Paul was using circumcision as something that that, that they could understand as it applies to marriage and singleness. Um, Some scholars uh, actually believe Paul brought up this comparison between circumcision and marriage so that people could understand how pride in the heart had become the real problem. Because as you know, uh, in the church, there were some who were very prideful in their marriage and they were looking down upon those who weren't married. But then there were some right, who were prideful in singleness and said, oh no, it's better to be single, you should be divorced. And so remember, this is a young church and they don't have a great understanding, right, of God's call in marriage and God's call in singleness. And so Paul is saying, hey, look, whatever situation God has called you to, you honor God and you glorify God in it. And it doesn't make one better than the other. Now, Paul has an opinion I mean, he's already stated his opinion, and he's going to state it again. Paul believed in the single life. He believed there were less distractions, right, and less devotions, and you could be fully devoted to God. But that was his preference. That was his opinion, and he wasn't forcing that on anyone, okay? He wanted people to embrace the call of God in their life, whether that was marriage or whether that was single, right? He also talked about slavery in this passage, right? Paul said for slaves to gain freedom from men if possible. But he also said they were to remain as slaves for Christ. And so Paul points to the blood of Christ that was shed for us and points to the fact that we belong to God through Christ. And again, Paul was saying, hey, listen, uh, if you were a slave, 
and, and God saved you and you became a Christ follower, you became a born-again child of God, if you can earn or you can get your freedom from man and no longer be a slave, then do it. But if not, right, you don't serve man, you serve who? God. And so glorify God wherever you are. Paul wasn't condoning slavery. Uh, you know, we've got to be careful with that when you look at things out of context. Paul wasn't condoning slavery. What he was saying is wherever you are, right, honor God, glorify God, right? That's what he was saying. And uh, I, I love this because it's not the first time Paul says, I'm a slave to Christ, right? In other words, I was bought with a price, right? I surrendered to him. I belong to God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul looked at that from a mindset, I'm a slave to Christ. If he says go, I go. If he says do, I do, right? That's what Paul was looking at. So as we continue to read, we're going to read another lengthy passage here. We're going to read verses 25 through 35. And he's still, he's still teaching about the importance of marriage and the importance of singleness. So look at what he says, beginning in verse 25. He says, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord. That means this topic was not something Jesus taught specifically, okay? So that's what he means by that. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, and he's talking about the culture, he's talking about the challenges they face. Because of this, the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn, as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But, verse 33, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, when you read this passage, when you see this passage, you notice the word virgin several times. Most biblical scholars believe that more than likely Paul is using the word virgin as it pertains to those who are engaged, okay? So when you look at the context and you look at the audience that Paul is speaking to, he is more than likely speaking to those women who are engaged to be married. That's what most biblical scholars believe. And, and I love this because right off the bat, Paul offered a preference 
not a rule. Did you notice that? I, I, I explained that to you. This was not a specific topic that Jesus taught about or that was written about, okay? And so Paul, he is making a preference. He is offering a preference, not a rule, by saying that he thought it best to remain in the arrangement made. And again, what is he saying? He's saying it's best that if you are engaged, stay engaged and be married. If you are single, then stay single. Remain as you are. And what is he saying that? Why is he saying that? He's saying that in light of the crisis, right? And now, biblical scholars will tell you, he doesn't mention the crisis word for word. He doesn't mention it by title or by by name. But what he has told us is, is that the church is being attacked, right? That, that the world does not like the church and the world is saying live this way. They also, a lot of Paul's letters were written in light of Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon and very soon. The, the believers at this time, they thought Jesus was coming back while they were alive. And, and Paul was saying you need to live that way, right? In other words, don't get attached to the things and the people of this world, you need to be completely devoted to God. And so uh, if one was engaged, stay engaged. If one was single, stay single. He also says those who chose to marry needed to consider the consequences and the trials that would come with marriage. Now again, is this a rule? No, what is this? It's a preference It's Paul's preference. It's not a rule. Now, don't miss this. You can't just blow this off and say, well, since that was a preference, Paul is... No, Paul is led by who? The Spirit of God. He is led by the Spirit of God as he writes. And so I love what Dr. Warren Wearsby said. When when I read this passage, um, I love Dr. Warren Wearsby because he he can joke and have a little fun. Listen to what he said. Dr. Wearsby said, I used to remind young couples during marital counseling that the cheapest thing in the wedding was the marriage license. From that point on, the cost of marriage would go up every day. I love that. I love that. So one of the consequences, let's think about this. One of the consequences of marriage was responsibility to a spouse. You remember that? Paul's already said that in the first 16 verses about the marital duty or the spousal duty. You have a responsibility, you have a duty toward your spouse, both a man to his wife and a wife to her husband. And so Paul was thinking about those consequences and those responsibilities, and he said they can become a concern. Now that word concern that Paul uses, in the Greek language it's actually translated as cares. Cares, right? In other words, when you have responsibilities and duties, it can very easily take you away from, right, another responsibility or another duty. And so they become divided. And so Paul is actually encouraging believers to live each day fully devoted to God as if the Lord were returning immediately. Now, you might say, well, is he saying turn, you know, turn your back on your spouse? That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have to consider, right, how these things could affect your relationship with God or your devotion to God. He's not saying that that's going to happen. He's just saying it can happen. As a matter of fact, Paul was not saying it was impossible. That's not what he's saying. 
It's not impossible to live for God in marriage. But what he did is he pointed out the possible distractions that could entangle believers. Because I, I, you know as well as I do, right? We can very easily begin to lift our spouse up as what? An idol. We can begin to worship our spouse. How many of you have children? How easy is it for your children to become your idol, right? You, you just want to give them everything and you don't even go to the Lord and ask, right? It, it can happen. It can become a distraction and it can pull you, right, in different directions, right? And so it's hard to be devoted to one thing when you're devoted to ten things. And so again, Paul's not saying it's impossible. He's saying you have to consider the consequences. You have to pay attention, right? And so again, in context, both those who are married and those who are living can be divided. So even though it sounds like he's attacking marriage, he's not attacking marriage because Paul knows very well that when you're single, you can be distracted as well. Uh, you know I love Dr. Tony Evans, so let me throw a little Tony Evans at you for a second. Dr. Tony Evans says this, the married believer does have obligations to his or her spouse, but sadly, many Christian singles have become divided as well, consumed with finding a spouse, consumed by a job, They could use their singleness to serve the Lord without hindrance and maximizing their kingdom calling, but they focus on self. So I love what Dr. Tony Evans points out. He points out just as a married couple, right, can put the focus on spouse and not pay attention to the Lord, a single person can put the focus on self or put the focus on job and not focus on the Lord too. So the distractions really can be quite similar. Right, But in a marriage, there are responsibilities and duties towards a spouse. And Paul is saying, you need to consider those. You need to consider those things. Um, Ultimately, and I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again, and I'm probably going to say it more than once. Ultimately, whether you are married or whether you are single, what Paul wants is he wants believers to be devoted to God in their calling. Devoted to God in their calling. Um, back in the day, and, and, and I'm sure if you're, you're old enough to remember, uh, there was a, a great musician, a great songwriter by the name of Paul, uh, actually, um, Michael W. Smith. <laughs> I was fixing to say another one, Paul Baloch, but Michael W. Smith, got to get my head right, because they both are great. But Michael W. Smith was very popular, still is. I mean, he still leads worship, but he has written so many songs. Um, early on in his career, he was interviewed by Contemporary Christian Magazine. And uh, I was captivated by that article because he, he had been married for a few years. I think at that time he had one or two children. Uh, but they asked him, you know, how, how do you do it? How do you travel all over the country? You know, you do these worship conferences. You do these worship, you know, experiences, these concerts. You're writing all this music, but you've got a wife and you've got kids. And I love what he said. He said, you know, I love my wife and I love my kids, but I'm devoted to God. And the only way I can love my wife rightly is to be devoted to God. And the only way I can love my kids 
is to be devoted to God. The only way I can lead my family is to be fully devoted to God. And so, and throughout that article, he talked about being a, a godly husband and a godly father. And I just remember him saying, I'm devoted to God. My devotion is to God. And God gives me what I need to be the husband my wife needs, to be the father that my children need. And I believe that's really what Paul is saying. I believe that. He, he's saying when you are fully devoted to God, you can be, you can be a godly spouse. You can be a godly parent. And uh, that's what he wanted. He wanted them to be devoted. And you know, when you're single, you can be devoted to God and still love your job, right? And you can still be prayerful. You can still be prayerful, right, that maybe God calls you to marriage, right? But don't be so focused on that that you, you're trying to force God's hand rather than surrender to God's plan. And that's really what Paul is talking about. So as he finishes up this chapter, I love these last verses, uh, very important. Verses 36 through 40, listen to what he says. He says, if anyone is worried, now he's got a specific audience in this passage too, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute, but I think we can glean some truths out of this. He says, if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, And if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think too, uh, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. So in this passage, uh, it was actually in reference to fathers and their unmarried daughters. That, that's really his directed audience. Theologians will tell you when you look at the letter and you look at the audiences and how he spoke to all of them, this is in, in a direct conversation with fathers who had daughters who were unmarried. Um, so the context is very important and we need to know that as we read it um, because everything Paul was saying uh, in, in, to these Corinthians, he had in light the present crisis. We've got to remember that. He really thought Jesus was coming in their lifetime, right, in their day. And he was saying, we got to be focused on that. So, number one, some fathers in, in, this, in this time period, and especially in Corinth, some fathers had actually set apart their daughters for celibacy. Like they had said, you will not be married, you will be devoted to the Lord. And so some fathers had set apart their daughters for celibacy, which is singleness, but in the present crisis those fathers had the freedom to choose what was best. And and so what Paul was saying was, listen, what you decided years ago, you you can change your mind, right? You you can give them up for marriage. Now, Paul had a preference, right? What was his preference? Yeah, single. That was his preference, right? Um, But because of the persecution of the church and because of the temptation to sin, and again, um, this is where I love the Bema podcast because they really tell you um, Corinth was a melting pot 
Oh my goodness, so many different people, so many different religions. And remember, I told you this early on when we talked about sexual immorality, one of the big challenges that this church faith, uh, faced was temple prostitution, okay? So, so sex and sexual immorality was a, it, it was a major challenge. And so in light of these crises, uh, Paul was saying, you know, marriage might be better. You know, and his preference, singleness was better, but he said, hey, if you can't control your passions and you can't control your desires, then you need to be married. Um, And he also talked about uh, those who who died, right? So he said, if a married, if a man's or woman's spouse died, if they were married and their spouse died, he said that spouse could remarry, but his preference was what? They need to be a believer, right? And again, what was he thinking? He was thinking the Lord is coming soon. You don't need to be distracted or hindered by anything else. And, and so obviously Paul's preference, and really and truly it's, it's a spiritual thing, right? Is that you should marry a believer, someone who lines up with your belief system. And so again, uh, Paul, he qualifies the statement though, this is a preference. Uh, he believed it was better to stay single and completely devoted to the Lord's service. But he said, however God calls you, embrace that calling. Uh, Paul was, was speaking to this church in these circumstances, and he reminded the believers that he was speaking with a heart filled with the Spirit of God. He, he said, I'm speaking to you from the heart of the Spirit that, that guides me, that leads me, that fills me. And so, if I could sum it up, you know, and I, I, I read through chapter 7 so many times, uh, made so many notes, and I didn't, I didn't give you everything that I wrote down. Um, and what I told you is, remember, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and direct you. Sometimes there are things that are up for interpretation, right? Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit will have to lead you. And we don't have to line up. We don't have to agree on everything. Um, but that's okay. The most important thing is, Honoring God. And I believe that. I believe Paul's goal, right, for the believers in Corinth was that they honor God with their lives, whether they were married or whether they were single. I really believe what Paul was saying is you need to listen to God. You need to obey God. You need to serve God. You need to honor and glorify God with your life. And if that's married, then do it. If that's single, then do it. Um, But I'm going to tell you, He understood the challenges they faced. And what Paul was trying to do was give them a biblical, right, a biblical outlook of what marriage is and a biblical outlook of what singleness is. And again, he wasn't casting stones. It sounded like the church at Corinth was doing that early on, right, because he told them, he's like, hey, don't, don't, don't talk bad about somebody because they're single. And he said, hey, you who are single, don't think that you're better and, and more devoted to God because you're single. Right? Even though that was his preference, he did not command that. That was not a rule. And so when you look at Paul's heart, I really believe Paul's heart was whatever God has called you to, whether that be marriage or whether that be singleness, you can embrace it and you can honor God with it. You can be fully devoted to God in marriage. You can be fully devoted to God in singleness, just like you can be distracted in marriage and you can be distracted in singleness, right? And that's what Paul was saying. Honor God. Give God your whole heart, your whole devotion, and see what he will do. 
Uh, again, tough passage of Scripture. And, and, you know, the most important thing is when you look at all of the biblical writings on marriage and singleness, again, when it comes back to it, right, God is the one who defines marriage. God is the one who defines singleness. God is the one who defines it. It's not you and it's not me. So there are some things that really are not up for interpretation. You either receive it or you reject it. And in our world today, <laughs> our world today is rejecting everything God says about marriage. He's re- our world today is rejecting everything God says about sexuality. And I'm going to tell you, no matter how loud you get, that ain't going to change. Okay? I'm not here to change the world. I'm not asking you to change the world. You know what I'm here to do? I'm here to glorify God. I'm here to glorify God in what I believe and in the way I live my life. And and I'm not going to look down upon and I'm not going to cast stones and look on and judgment upon someone else. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share the love of God with anybody and everybody that'll listen. Okay? Anybody and everybody that'll listen. And, and, and if somebody don't want to listen, that's fine, right? But I'm going to keep preaching the gospel, and I'm going to keep preaching God's truths, right? And I'm not going to hate anybody. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be disagreeable with anybody, even though I might disagree, right, with a lifestyle or a choice. And I'm going to be labeled. I'm going to be labeled a lot of things. I'm going to be labeled bigot. I'm going to be labeled, you know, hater. I'm going to be labeled those things, and here's the thing. Um... I'm not, I'm not serving man. I'm serving God. And so I'm not worried about what man labels me. I'm only worried about what my God labels me, right? And I want to be labeled as a faithful follower. I want to be labeled as an obedient servant. Uh, I, what God thinks of me matters more than anything else. And, and so I believe that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, honor God with your life, right? Love God, love people, know the truth. Because the only way you can know a lie is to know the truth. And I believe that's what Paul was doing. They were being lied to. They were being lied to by their culture. They were being lied to by the world. And because they didn't know the truth, the full truth of God's word, right? They they were susceptible to the lies. And Paul was saying, no, here's what God's word says. Here's the truth. Let the truth set you free. Amen?